microphone and everything. Okay. I'll put this in my pocket. I've got two iPhones and two microphones, and we ought to be in good shape here. I, I want to thank you all for uh, inviting me to be here. Uh, I retired a couple of years ago and kind of filled in here and there. And of course, when uh, COVID hit, that pretty well just shut down any filling in or anything. And uh, it was just, uh, uh, it, was, it was good to get a call and say, hey, we'd like for you to come over here. I'm sorry for the circumstances, and uh, if, if I understand, I think Doug's going to be uh, quarantined for this Sunday and probably the next Sunday, and so Lord willing, I, I'll probably be back, and so what we're going to be doing, I decide since we're going to be here for very, basically four lessons, that means all of you that are in here right now, you've got to stay from Bible class afterwards. Uh, we're going to be talking about, uh, basically the whole theme is going to be, what if I trusted God for everything? How would it change my life? And we'll be doing some, we'll talk more about, I really want you to be in class. We're going to really uh, talk about some things and challenge ourselves there. But, uh, uh, you know, we like to talk about trusting uh, God. I mean, after all, we're in church. Isn't that what we're supposed to do? We, we talk about trusting God. And, and sometimes it's real easy. Somebody's going through a hard time and, and we'll say, you, know, you just need to trust God. And, and that's what we tell people. Uh, it, it's kind of like the preacher who... Um, uh, he had uh, Sister Jones uh, started coming to church there, and, and Sister Jones comes up to him and says, uh, Oh, preacher, said, I, I'm really scared. He said, My husband has told me if I keep going to church there, he's going to kill me. And, and he says, Well, he says, uh, Sister Jones, we, we'll, we'll, we'll keep praying for you, and, and uh, uh, you just keep trusting the Lord, and, and he'll take care of you. Well, the next week comes along, and she tells him the same thing. She says, my husband says, if I, he catches me going to church here, he's going to kill me. And he says, I, I know that must be hard, Sister Jones, but I'll keep praying for you, and you just trust the Lord. He'll take care of you. Well, this went on for a few weeks, and she kept talking about her anxiety. One day, she just came up and says, you know, you're right. God is taking care of things. Uh, he has told me... Uh, uh, he, he's kept me safe thus far, but, and, and the preacher says, but what? He says, well, my husband told me today, if I keep going to church here, he's going to kill you. And, and the preacher said, you know, Sister Jones, maybe you need to check the church out down the street there. Now, you know, we're all about talking about trusting God. But what is it? what does it mean to really trust God? We want to be... And I'm sure you want to be a church that doesn't just talk about trusting God, but a church that actually trusts God for everything in our life. And it begins with us individually. As a group, we'll never be a church that trusts God with everything unless we individually start doing this. And the Bible gives us all kinds of examples. We're going to look at one that's a lot of times overlooked as we get older. You know, as children, we, uh, we learned the story of Elisha and the widow and the jar of oil. Remember that story? Now, as time goes on, sometimes we just kind of uh, overlook that story there. Uh, let's, in fact, let's just read the text. Now, I'm not sure if I'm reading from the same version that I originally put this in, but it's close enough. We'll follow along with me here. Now the wife of one of the sons of the prophets cried to Elisha, 
your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that, it, that, that your servant feared the Lord, but the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. And Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, Your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. And then he said, Go outside, borrow vessels from all your neighbors, empty vessels, and not too few. Then go in and shut the door behind yourself and your sons and pour into all those vessels. And when one is full, set it aside. So she went in from him and shut the door behind herself and her sons. And she poured, and as she poured, they brought the vessels to her. And when the vessels were full, she said to her son, Bring me another vessel. And he said to her, There's not another. And then the oil stopped flowing. She came and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil, pay your debts, you and your sons can live on the rest. That's found in 2 Kings chapter 4. You know, during Elisha's and Elijah's time, there was a, a, a group of fellows that followed them around. I think nowadays they'd call them the posse. But uh, back then they were called the, the, the sons of the prophets. And you really don't hear any more about them. And uh, I just thought I'd pass along what really happened to these guys. Uh, as you notice from the story, they didn't have any money because this fellow dies broke. And so they figured out they need to make a little money. And they, here they were, the sons of the prophets. So one of them found a fiddle and another a guitar and a bass. And they changed, started singing cowboy songs. And they called themselves Roy Rogers and Sons of the Pioneers. Stick around me. You'll learn all kinds of Bible, by the way, uh, here. Uh, but during, uh, anyway, these, one of these sons of the prophets dies. Now think about it. Life insurance hasn't been invented yet. There's no such thing as Social Security or widow's survivor benefits or anything like that. And this preacher has left his wife with a bunch of debt. And so now, if you read the text there, you see this creditor has shown up, and which was according to law at that time, he was going to take uh, the two children as his slaves for payment for this debt. Now just think about this. Mama's obviously not happy. Her husband has died, and now she's about to lose her two kids. I think if I was preaching a sermon on uh, being a good steward, I'd talk about how evil debt is. Now, sometimes it causes you problems. And where it says over in Proverbs 22, the borrower is the slave of the lender. Uh, that's not really the lesson today. I mean, you may find yourself in this widow's shoes. Maybe you've lost something that's really important. Maybe you've lost your job, oil field has gone down in price. and Or maybe there has been a, uh, maybe your spouse left you. Maybe there's been a, a death. And, and you're left with a lot of debt. I don't know. You, you can fill in the blanks of where you find yourself today. But our lesson today is trusting God. And this great story of God always tells about how God always always takes care of his children. Let's look at it. First of all, first thing we see out of this 
is that God always opens a door. Now, what do you think is going through this young widow's mind here? She's probably thinking, how am I going to pay this bill? Or she might be saying, why, why did my husband leave me with this debt? She may be even kind of mad right now. Why did he do this? And so she's got this grief that she's going through. And then you see that, that panic starts to, to set in there. And let me tell you something. Grief and panic are not good combinations. Years ago, I had a, a teacher call me one time about a student. And he happened to know that I knew the student. And he called me and he said, hey, Michael, tell me about this particular student. Is he just dumb or lazy? And I thought about it a little bit and I said, both. And he said, who? Bad combination. Well, let me tell you what a good bad combination is. Grief and panic. Now you combine these two and it becomes a recipe for disaster. If, if, look, if you're a child of God, it's okay to grieve. Uh, maybe you've lost a spouse somewhere along the way. I preached for 40 years thinking I knew what people were going through until Becky unexpectedly died a few years ago. Had no idea what they were grieving, the deep grief they went through until I went through it. But you know, it's okay to grieve if you're a child of God. Maybe, maybe you find out something like your, your child is, is, is come down with a, a debilitating disease or something that's going to affect them all of their life. You're going to grieve over those things. Or maybe you've lost a job or, or lost a business. It's normal. It's okay to grieve over those things. It's okay to grieve, but it's not okay to panic. And this woman is desperate. Think about her for a moment. But in her desperation, what does she do? She turns to God. God told us over in Psalm chapter 50, verse 15, I will, it says, And call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. You see, God always, always, always opens a door for His children in trouble. And you've got to ask yourself a question. Am I His, am I his child? Yes. God's going to open a door. See, this woman was not the cause of her problem. She didn't cause her husband to die. She didn't go out there and run up all of this debt. And now she's having to pay the price for it. There, She could have become bitter. She could have become bitter at God and said, Why did you take my husband from me? And I'm, I'm not going to believe God anymore. But no, instead she chose to trust in God. And so whatever circumstances you may find yourself in today or down the road, God will take care of you. He will find a way out. We need to trust God for everything in our life. Now, not only will God open a way for you, but the second thing we see out of this is that what you have is enough for God. Look at uh, verse 2 there. And Elisha said to her, 
What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, Your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. You know, it's real easy for us to fall into uh, the poor me's. You know, poor me, I don't have any money. Poor me, I don't have a rich uncle who's going to leave me money or take care of me. Poor me, I don't, I don't have good kids. They've made bad decisions. Poor me, I was raised in a horrible household growing up. I, poor me, I don't, I don't have a good job. You see, God is not interested in what you don't have. God works with what you have. And what did this woman have? All that she had was a jar of oil, wasn't it? That's it. Now think about what she's living with there. Nothing in the house but a jar of oil. I thought about bringing up a, uh, uh, well actually I had a can of, I was looking for some olive oil around the house and I finally found a can of Pam that said with olive oil and I was going to bring it to show you there, but I didn't bring it with me there. But all she's got is that jar of olive oil. And God can multiply. God can multiply whatever you have. And whatever you have, He can multiply it to take care of your needs. If it's just a jar of, uh, of oil, God can use it. If it's just a handful of meal at the bottom of a barrel. You remember the story back uh, earlier in Elijah? Back in, the, in 1 Kings in chapter 17, he comes to this widow and all she's got is a little bit of meal down at the bottom of a barrel. And God uses that meal and he feeds Elijah, he feeds the woman, he feeds the son until the drought's over with that. Or maybe all you've got is five loaves and two fishes. And God can take what you have and feed 5,000 people. So the question is, do you trust God enough to use what you have. Uh, you remember when God called Moses back over in the uh, early part of Exodus there? You remember the story, it's the burning bush, and Moses starts giving more excuses. I can't do this, I can't speak well, and he keeps doing the excuses. And finally, here's what God says. The Lord said to him, Hey Moses, what's that in your hand? What is that? And he says, Well, it's 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 a staff. He's a shepherd. It's a stick. That's what it is. You ever thought about that stick, that walking stick, that shepherd's staff, what it became? That staff became the rod of God that brought the plagues upon Egypt. That stick that he carried with him became a snake before Pharaoh. That same stick parted the Red Sea. That same rod, that staff he had in his hand, hit a rock and water came forth. God uses what you have. Samson had a thousand Philistines trying to kill him at one time. He took the jawbone of a donkey and killed a thousand people. Why? God used what he had. So I've got to ask you a question. Do you trust God to use what you have? Do you think that do you just think that if God could use all these other things we just talked about to take care of His people, that He just might be able to use what you have to take care of you? God's teaching us something. He's teaching us 
how little you have doesn't make any difference. All that matters is that you wholly surrender what you have to God. Now there's another great lesson that's in here. Third thing we see is God wants empty vessels. And He wants plenty of them. Look at verse 3. And then He said, Go outside and borrow vessels from all your neighbors. Empty vessels and not too few. God wants a bunch of jars. And He wants big ones. And He wants a lot of them. Now, to the logical mind, this doesn't make sense. You've got a little jar of oil, and God sent you out there to go get a bunch of empty vessels. Now exactly where's this oil going to come from that you're going to fill up all these big pots? Now if you want God's help, the Bible says you've got to provide the empty vessels. There's a couple of things I see out of this. Two things. Number one, God expects you to do something. If he was to go out there and to gather all kinds of empty jars. I remarried about a year ago to a wonderful woman named Patty. Well, we both got our own houses and everything, so we decided we're going to combine our house. So we bought another house. And about a week or so, we're closing on it. We're going to be moving in. We're kind of combining all two households here. Patty is superwoman. Not only does she work full-time, teaches at the med school, does all this, she's got this house. She's got it nearly packed, her house. And then you come to my house. And I keep saying, the Lord will provide. And she says, you need to get some boxes. So I've gone out and got some empty boxes. hadn't put anything in those boxes yet uh, God wants us to provide vessels and they've got to be empty vessels but you notice something the woman still had to pour the oil in there and I guess when I get home I'm gonna to have to start packing because God isn't gonna have that thing packed when I get home but she had to pour oil into those vessels there the key is God wants empty vessels God cannot fill something that you've already filled up. I already do have a few boxes packed, not many, but I can't put anything in those boxes anymore. They're full. Now think about when this happened to this lady. Let's, let's put ourselves back during that time. You can just hear the neighbors, or maybe, maybe they, uh, they come up, the kids will run up to the neighbor, Mrs. Jacobson, uh, could we borrow all your empty jars? Uh, maybe even the milk pail, a vinegar jar, or whatever, water jars. Well, sure, what do you need with all of those jars? Well, we're going to fill them up with oil. Well, oil's expensive back then, and she's going, well, where are you going to get the oil from? Oil from our little jar right here. And the neighbors are probably thinking, oh, that poor woman. She's lost her husband, and now she's lost her mind. She has just gone over the edge. She's delusional. She even thinks the Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl. She's so delusional there. I mean, and so, but this woman had faith in God. And she did exactly what Elisha told her, and all of her jars were filled. Why? Because God uses empty vessels. 
You know, the Bible tells us to be filled with what? Filled with the Spirit. And could it be, could it possibly be that some of our problems in our life might be that we're so full of ourselves, we're so full of our plans, in our ideas of this is how it needs to be, and if, it, if things don't work out this way, we're going to have all kinds of problems. We're so full of ourselves that we have not provided God with an empty jar to fill us with the Spirit. You know, when Jesus told the parable of the sower, He said over in Matthew 13, but the cares of this world... Let me ask you something. Are there things going on in this world that are causing you consternation? Look what the text says. Look what Jesus says. But the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches... Oh, is anybody worried about the economy? What's going to happen to it if something, something happens? And this, the cares of the world... The deceitfulness of riches does what? Chokes the word and proves it unfaithful or unfruitful. You know what we call that? We call those vessels that have not been emptied. We've got them full of our ideas and what we think needs to happen. And we haven't emptied the vessel and says, God, take care of this. Fill me with your spirit. One fellow said, I like what he said, too much to eat at the table of the world means that one does not feed upon the manna from heaven. And so, let's be people. Let's be a church. Let's be a family that gathers empty vessels and sets them before God so that He can fill them with oil. Another lesson we learn out of this is that God only fills the vessels that we provide. Look at verses uh, 5 and 6. So she went from him and shut the door behind herself and her sons, and she poured, and as she poured, they brought the vessels to her. But when the vessels were full, they said to her, uh, she said to her son, Bring me another vessel. And he said to her, There's not another. And the oil stopped flowing. Here it is. They've gathered all these jars. I think some of them probably were pretty good size there. And they've gone inside and they've shut the door. And mom takes her place with her little pot of oil there and she starts pouring. And I've often wondered, what was it like behind that closed door? As she kept pouring into that jar. And then she finds another jar and she pours. And then she looks at that jar and it just keeps pouring. What did the boys say? Mom, this is awesome. And, and she keeps filling and she keeps filling them. And, and, and there's still oil. Do you think that just maybe inside that little house there was some praising God going on at this time? And they kept pouring and they kept bringing jars and they kept filling them up. Now, not only were are we talking about being able to, to pay their debts, but they were going to have plenty to live on after the selling of the oil. You know, you realize this oil, olive oil at that time was, was very expensive. It was something that was needed. Uh, it, it, olive oil was necessary in that society. There was no substitute. Olive oil was good for cooking food. It was good for putting in the oil of lamps to burn. It was for all kinds of ointment, face cream, uh, salve. They used it to make leather pliable, uh, to keep iron from rusting. They used it for all kinds of things. No wonder she could take those jars and go sell them in the marketplace. Because she trusted in God, her poverty 
and our worries were now over. Now don't you know that she thought about these things as she just kept pouring into the jars. And then she said, look at verse 6. She said in verse 6, Bring me another vessel. And he said to her, There's not another. And then the oil stopped flowing. You see, once the jars, there were no more jars, God stopped filling. Have you ever wondered what the woman thought about that time? Oh, man. Wish we'd gotten some more jars. Isn't that normally what you'd have thought? If I'd known this, we'd go out and gather some more. The, only, the, the woman got only as much oil as she provided jars for. Now, think about that in our life. God will only fill what we offer to Him. So, do you have parts of your life that are kind of over here, and this is my business, this is my life, and over here is my church life? Mm-mm. We offer, we're trusting God in everything. You know, later on, this same prophet, this is Elisha, by the way, Elisha, he's old and he's near death. And, and over in, in 2 Kings 13, uh, Joash the king comes to him uh, at that time. And, and, and Elijah, Elisha tells Joash, you remember the story? He tells him to take his arrows and, and strike the ground. So Joash strikes the ground. How many times? Anybody remember? Three, there we go, three times. He struck the ground three times. And, and, and Elisha told him, if you had struck the ground more times, God would have given you complete deliverance from your enemies. And so what we have here is Joash's victory was limited because of his lack of faith in God. Had the woman gathered more vessels, she would have had more oil. Now I'm not talking about health and wealth religion. You know that. We're talking about God taking care of us here. And something else we see out of this, number five, God always gives us more than enough. Look at verse 7. And she came and told the man of God, he said, go and sell the oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on the rest. A couple of things there. First of all, she was told to pay her debts. The Bible's real strong about that, you know. Uh, some people don't follow this like they should, but uh, the Bible tells us, Romans 13, 8, no, owe no one anything except the debt of love. And Jesus also told us in Matthew chapter 5, notice what he said there. So if you're offering your gift in the altar, and you remember, therefore, that your brother has something against you, leave your gift, and there go before the, go the altar and go. Leave your gift at the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. And the Bible teaches us whether we have a physical debt or we have a spiritual debt. God says we are to first go and take care of that debt. But that wasn't all that God did for the woman. Second thing is, He provided enough to live on. It was good enough that the debt was paid and her sons wouldn't be sold into slavery. I mean, that was great right there. But God didn't stop there. One of the great things about God is, when He blesses us, He's not stingy. He's not sitting back there going... Oh, man, you need help again. Hey, I'm going to give you a little bit here, but let's see if you can do a little better this time. That's not the way God is. 
He blesses us with more than enough. Ephesians 3, verse 20, and I want you to think about this verse all week as we talk about trusting God for everything. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. That's God. So as we think about, and we're going to we're going to have about four lessons. We're going to have a class in a little bit. You better stay for it. I might talk about you. We're going to talk about trusting God. These next four lessons, trusting for everything. And as we think about these things, why not? Why not offer lots of empty vessels to God? Why not make big plans? And big prayers before God and say, here they are, God, fill them up. Use me. And i got to ask you, are your jars empty? Or have you been filling up with the cares of the world? And the deceitfulness of money? It's time to empty out our jars and to offer them to God. And as certainly as you put your trust in God and you follow His direction, you can expect Him. This, this story in the Bible isn't just so we teach little kids a story. This story is for you and me today. That when we offer those vessels out there, we can expect Him to fill every single vessel in our life. And I pray that God will fill this congregation, that He will fill you, He will fill your family with His Spirit because one who is full of the Spirit has the fullness of God. May God help each one of us to empty our jars and to give them to Him to fill up. If we can do anything for you, just let me know or one of the elders. We'll do what we can. Maybe there's something in your life you want to pray about. It may not be public. You may want to grab one of the elders and say, look... Here's some things in my life that are going on I'm worried about. I haven't turned over to God. We'll pray about these things. And we want this to be a, a changing point in your life. I didn't ask. Do we have a song after I finish? Okay, all right. Well, in that case, we're going to have a song. And if we can help you in any way, let us know.